This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Dear Governor is a production of iHeartMedia and Three Mutts Media. If you are moved by Jarvis Masters and his 30-year struggle on San Quentin's death row, and you'd like to support his cause, please consider signing a petition on his behalf. Visit freejarvis.org slash podcast to sign your name to an open letter to California Governor Gavin Newsom. Dear Governor Newsom. Dear Mr. Governor Newsom. This is an open letter to Governor Gavin Newsom. Dear Governor Newsom. Throughout his life, Jarvis Masters has endured more injustice and tragedy than any ordinary person. But then again, Jarvis is anything but ordinary. He has an almost Forrest Gumpian nature about him a man who's been holed up in a nine-by-four cell since the first year of President Reagan's first term, who has nevertheless managed to live a remarkable life, attracting a circle of supporters that include world-renowned spiritual and religious teachers, celebrities, world-class thinkers, philosophers, and writers, from Desmond Tutu to Oprah Winfrey to Brian Stevenson. My name is David Sheff. I am a journalist. I've been a journalist uh, for about 30, 40 years, oh my God. And, you know, I had the great fortune of meeting Jarvis and then moving forward with him to write uh, a book about his life and and, uh, the most extraordinary experience. One world-class writer whom Jarvis has drawn into his life is author David Sheff. David's best-selling memoir, A Beautiful Boy, was made into a major motion picture starring Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet. And his latest work is a biography about Jarvis called The Buddhist on Death Row, How One Man Found Light in the Darkest Place. Again, in true Gumpian form, Jarvis's life story managed to attract the interest of none other than the holiness himself, the Dalai Lama. About The Buddhist on Death Row, he writes, quote, This book shows vividly how, even in the face of the greatest adversity, compassion and warm-hearted concern for others brings peace and inner strength. 
David has interviewed some of the most fascinating people in modern history, including John Lennon, Steve Jobs, Ansel Adams, Betty Friedan, and more. I had a, a good friend. His name was Pamela Crosby. And for years, she talked about this guy named Jarvis Masters, who she considered her best friend or one of her best friends uh, on death row inside Quentin. He was innocent. He'd become a Buddhist practitioner and teacher. And she described him in ways that, you know, it would have been extraordinary ways to describe anybody, but somebody in prison on death row for most of his life. And, you know, it was just remarkable about the way that he connected with so many people that in spite of the fact that he lived in one of the most depressing, dark, scary places imaginable, he still was filled with this light and joy and he was positive and she would leave him and feel instead of, you know, sort of depressed and, and, you know, brokenhearted. I mean, she felt that too, but she also talked about feeling uplifted because he was such a great presence. And she kept asking me to go visit him and I was busy. I didn't have time to do it. And at one point, I was doing an article for the New York Times Magazine about the warden of San Quentin, whose name was Jean Woodford. And I asked Dee if she'd heard about this guy, and she had, and she sort of confirmed some of the stories that I'd heard from Pamela. And it was after that that I, I went to see Jarvis, and I got it. You know, I got it. I was with him. He was in the adjustment center, so I was only able to meet with him with a piece of glass, a thick plexiglass between us. And even through that glass, I understood why Pamela and other people quite spoken to by them described him as, as a very special person in their lives. Had you ever been into a prison before? I had never been on death row. I had no idea what to expect when I went in this room, the visiting hall. So yeah, I, w I, I was nervous. I was unsure. Uh, and, and by the way, you know, I also knew that everyone on death row, in fact, everyone in prison, is innocent. I mean, 99.9% .9 probably will say that they're innocent. And, and uh, of course, you know, we know that most of them aren't. So I was skeptical. I was you know, not naive when I went in there. In spite of what Pamela said, I thought, you know, could he be this just really good manipulator who was, you know, taking advantage of this very kind-hearted woman? And so I went in there with this uncertainty, this trepidation, this uh, nervousness about going into a place where I knew, you know, some of the most violent criminals in California's, you know, last probably 50-year history were there. It did not take long for Jarvis to reassure me and to make me feel very comfortable there. Following is a memory from the Buddhist on death row in which David first meets Jarvis in San Quentin. Audiobook read by Michael Boatman. I sit in a molded plastic chair on one side of a small table opposite a man named Jarvis J. Masters. I tell him I'm considering writing a book about him and ask what he thinks of the idea. I emphasize that if I go forward, I'll report what I find, both the good and the bad. I can't be painted worse than I've been painted, Masters says, and I guess that's true for someone convicted of murder. I mean, he adds, look where we are. Where we are is in a closet-sized cage among a dozen similar cages, in a visitation hall reserved for the condemned at San Quentin State Prison. I follow Master's gaze as it sweeps the other cages in which convicted killers sit with family members or attorneys. Ramon Bojorquez Saucedo, convicted of murdering seven people, including his wife and daughters, 
sits with his lawyer in a cage opposite ours. Nearby, Richard Allen Davis, who raped and killed a 12-year-old girl, munches Doritos. In the cage on the end, near a bookshelf lined with board games and Bibles, Scott Peterson, convicted of murdering his eight-months-pregnant wife and their unborn child, sits with his sister. Peterson looks relaxed and fit, but some prisoners appear tense, agitated, or sullen. And then there are guys, diminutive, bespectacled, innocuous, who look like tellers, or, in one case, John Oliver. Their looks deceive, Masters says. Over the years, he's been surprised when he's learned about the crimes committed by the meekest and politest of his death row neighbors. Some of them have perfect manners, place their napkins on their laps, but half of Iowa is missing. What was it about Jarvis? He'd already written two autobiographical books. Mm-hmm. That Bird Has My Wings and Finding Freedom. What did you want to write about Jarvis and accomplish with your book that, that wasn't already accomplished with his own biographies? That's a really good question. I had read Jarvis's books. I didn't mention that even before I went to see him. You know, really was impressed by them and moved by them. I really got insights both to his life, his history, and also to his mind, his spiritual practice. I guess I was still fascinated, really uh, intrigued, and in, in maybe even in a personal way, drawn to Jarvis's story, because it was about how people can change, how a person changed. And it was something that I struggle with and, and continue to struggle with in my life, you know, people around me suffering. And I felt that, you know, there was a story that was left to be told. I mean, Jarvis's perspective on things was amazing and fascinating. Uh, but when we see a person from the outside, we see the story in a different way. And I saw it as a challenge because it was very unlike anything I'd ever written before. And the challenge was to write about change, to write about a person's spiritual transformation requires going inside their head. And, and so much of that process is internal, especially mm-hmm. when you're sitting in a jail cell. There were no, you know, retreats up the mountains to Tibet to, to you know, to visit you know, <laughs> a guru. Um, yeah. And so, you know, to to go into that world and to try, it was a challenge to try to uh, figure out, you know, how to, how to tell that story. And it was very meaningful to me in a personal way, as I said. Uh, when I would hear from Pamela, and by then I met some of his other friends, and I met his teacher, Pema Chodron, and the idea that the person on death row who had the brutal life that he had was someone who could instruct all of us, teach us, mm-hmm. uh, it seemed in some ways inconceivable. So I wanted to find out. I wanted to understand you know, who he was and what that experience was and what that message was and to see if it was true. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. 
Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey guys, LeVar Arrington here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before or check out the fully redesigned tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a toyota truck you buy toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com toyota let's go places hey everyone it's ted from consumer cellular the guy in the orange sweater and this is your wake-up call if you're paying too much for wireless service you don't have to keep having that nightmare consumer cellular has the same fast reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost so why keep spending more than you have to seriously wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Well, our relationship began very tentatively. I knew him from his biography and through his friends. Um, but I didn't really know him, and I didn't know him personally, and he certainly didn't know me. And our relationship, like any relationship, evolved, evolved, evolved slowly, very slowly. We got to know each other, and it wasn't, I mean, a small part of it was my deciding to commit to writing about him, because that's hard, you know, it's hard to write about mm-hmm. him. And, but the bigger part, challenge, actually came from his side, which is, to see if over the course of our getting to know each other that Jarvis would come to trust me to tell his story. I mean, Mm -hmm. it is a lot to ask someone. And so it evolved very, very, very slowly. And I started to have the kinds of experiences other people talked about with him. You know, he never intended to be some, you know, sort of guru, spiritual teacher. In fact, he, you know, he laughed and almost in some ways even disdainful of the idea that he was, but I began to have experiences with him where I really did feel like I was both learning from him and was inspired by him, and it impacted other parts of my life. Can you give an example of that, of those experiences? There were just so many, and they happened over time, and I I think that going deep with him was maybe meaningful to him, too, because I do know that there were many times when all of a sudden we would kind of be lifted out of that grim visiting room inside San Quentin and we were somewhere else and I think that we both shared it and 
would look at each other and suddenly be back in that room and realize, God, where did we just go? Um, You know, the one that I guess that I ended up telling in in the book that really sort of into me says it, but I visited Jarvis on Christmas Day in the visiting room. And when you visit the inmate in the family visiting room, it's different than the one that I generally met him in. I met him in the legal visiting room, which is quiet cages. I mean, it's not quiet. It's nothing in St. Quentin is quiet, but mm. the family visiting room has families, has kids, has laughter, has yelling and crying. There's many, many that's bigger. So I was in this room with him and we were talking and I was looking around and I was seeing what to me was so sad. It was all these children and wives or girlfriends and parents and brothers and sisters who on Christmas had come to visit the person that they love in prison. Uh, They're chained when they walk in there. They're locked in this cage. And it was heartbreaking to me. Mm -hmm. And I just started to say something to Jervis. I started to say, oh, my God, this is so sad. These poor people having to come see the person that they love, you know, in prison on death row on Christmas. And just then Jarvis, you know, he had this like light as he was looking around the room and what he saw, he said, look at the love in this room. Uh, Look at the love, you know, these fathers with their children, their girlfriends, their wives, their parents. And suddenly I realized I saw through Jarvis's eyes and I got it. And it was so moving to me. I, I know you're not a Buddhist, but I assume there was a pretty high learning curve to tell his story, the story of a of a true Buddhist. Was that in, intimidating? Yeah, I, I had you know a very 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 shallow idea knowledge about what it, what Buddhism is, and I was told by you know Jarvis's friend and teacher Pema Chodron that she thought ultimately it was a really good thing that someone who wasn't a Buddhist came in to tell the story. Because I came into this in the same way Jarvis came into it. Not only not a Buddhist, but cynical of, of, of mm-hmm. religion and spiritualism and spirituality. And so I was guided into Buddhism, to understanding Buddhism, just like he was. And he did, did it, his teachers did it, because I had a lot of conversations with his teachers. And I, bec- I came to understand, I mean, I never went to the formal religion of Buddhism, and neither did Jarvis, I don't think. I mean, I, I think I, too, was moved by the stories and the koans and, and the experience, just the, just the Buddhist perspective on life that has to do with recognizing suffering, mm-hmm. uh, connecting with other people, realizing a responsibility to try to alleviate suffering when we do see it. I mean, I got all that by the end. I really understood it, and I still can't tell you the names of you know the various the Buddhists and their incarnations and all that, and and, and but I, I got the essence. And yeah, you know, Jarvis told me that you know Buddhist is there for anybody. Jarvis's first introduction to the tenets of Buddhism arrived not coincidentally the day after the state of California had officially sentenced him to death. Here is his memory of that life-altering day, an excerpt from the Buddhist on death row. The next morning. Breakfast was delivered as usual, and the day progressed as if nothing had changed. Also, as usual, the mail was delivered in the evening. Jarvis examined a large envelope from someone named 
Lisa Leghorn, who in a note explained that she was an assistant and interpreter to Chagdut Tulku Rinpoche, the Buddhist Lama Jarvis had written to months before. Leghorn wrote that Rinpoche was glad that Jarvis had reached out to him, and she referred to a small book in the package entitled Life in Relation to Death, which contained a transcript of a talk by the Lama. Read it, she said. See if it speaks to you. Jarvis picked the book up and was instantly transfixed. On the first page, the Lama described death as a subject people often ignore or think about frivolously, as if it were no big deal. Then the author wrote, This is a nice theory until one is dying. Then experience and theory differ. He continued, Then one is powerless and everything familiar is lost. One is overwhelmed by a great turbulence of fear, disorientation, and confusion. For this reason, it is essential to prepare well in advance for the moment when the mind and body separate. Jarvis closed the book and breathed deeply. A familiar, choking emotion welled up in him. Anguish. But he read on. The teacher said that all people should prepare for death, and one approach was to picture the ways they might die. He listed an airplane crash, an automobile accident, a terminal illness, and being stabbed by a mugger. He didn't mention the gas chamber. Another approach was called meditative contemplations. Jarvis read through them quickly until he got to one that made him shudder. People should ask themselves two questions every night before bed. If I die tonight in my sleep, what have I done with my life? Have I been of benefit or have I caused harm? Jarvis needed no time to ponder his answer. He knew that he'd benefited no one and he'd caused immeasurable harm. He read all night. Dawn was breaking as he turned the final page, but he was wide awake. He didn't believe in omens, but he reeled at the thought that during his first day on death row, the mail had brought him a guide to dying. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. 
That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Biographer David Sheff continues. You know, even though I still am not a Buddhist, I get it. Its tenets are useful to me. The lessons of Buddhism are useful to me. Meditation is profound. I didn't get that either until I heard about Jarvis's journey into meditation and learned how it really changed his life. So all that I took away from the experience. What has impacted you the most in learning the lessons? Is it the meditation specifically? Well, or? you know, med- meditation is profound, but the reason that it was profound to me is when it's the same, it's sort of the message overall that Jarvis learned and that I learned from Jarvis's experience, which is that my idea of meditation was you sit with your eyes closed and your legs crossed and your spine mm-hmm. straight and you sort of bliss out, you know, it's a time out. It's a way to get away from the rest of your stresses in your life. But what Jarvis learned the hard way, and I ended up learning the hard way, is that's not what happens. I mean, yeah, there are those moments. But also, you know, you are if you're opening your mind, you're opening your mind to whatever is inside you. And some of what is inside you is pain and hurt and trauma. And, you know, this lesson that I saw that was a result of meditation is really the ultimate, was the ultimate challenge, I think, for Jarvis and for me, uh, which is, you know, beyond meditation, you know, it's sort of summed with this, you know, I I guess in some ways it's a Buddhist cliche, but it says, you know, the only way out is through, which means, you know, the only way to get through the traumas that we experience, the only way to move forward in our lives, to do better, to be a better person, to have relationships that are more meaningful, you can't run from it. Yeah. You've got to go back into it, and it is hard and it is painful. Um, but that is what I was left with more than anything. So he, oh, when I was talking with him 
when he was on his most recent hunger strike. I was asking him, you know, does he pass the time through meditation? And and his answer was, he's not sitting down and meditating. He said he wants to be fully present. He doesn't want to escape. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to escape the um, experience. And I just thought, holy cow, <laughs> if that yep. is not the ultimate that's Buddha. Right. And, that's, you know, and that's what he said to me at one point, too. I mean, he was meditating for a period of time, hours every day. But at one point, he said to me that he meditates all the time, or never, whichever, however you want to look at it, but it is being present in that moment. And that's something that he learned from meditation. And I think that's probably the goal of being a Buddhist, is, or, or a meditator, whatever it is, is that when it becomes who you are, and you start to perceive the world and feel the world and experience the world, uh, in a very different way, and um, I guess I feel like you know that's a good observation that you, you know, the way you just explained it. Yeah, I have found, and I and I know you and I have have discussed the fact that, and and I it's I've talked with so many people interviewing them for the podcast that to know Jarvis is to love Jarvis, and and people use that exact phrase. What do you think it is about him that that makes him such a compelling central character? Well, I love Jarvis, and love is not something that I come to easily uh, and never have in my life. And it is, you know, about a relationship that grew and developed over time uh, with somebody who was as open and gentle and kind and loving um, as anyone. And, you know, I came in there as the interviewer, you know, the journalist, to record his story. But I made this great friend who I still consider one of the dearest friends in my life. And the relationship was reciprocal. You know, I was there when Jarvis had some of the most challenging times that he's had in the last, you know, five, six years. Huge disappointments related to relationships and big, big disappointments Mm -hmm. related to his appeals, his cases, you know, his case moving forward. Um, But Jarvis has been there for me. Uh, in so many different circumstances, you know, I lost a dear friend and he was the one that was on the phone checking in with me. I was sick for a while and he was checking in with me as well. And even when I was well enough to go visit again, that was always the first thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and he did it. Sometimes he teased me about it. You know, God, you look terrible. (laughs) What is going on (laughs) with you? But, um, it was very genuine and very open and it was this relationship. And that's how I guess, you know, relationships develop and closeness develops and friendships develop. And eventually, you know, with a very, very few because of the combination of those things, and maybe there's something else that I don't fully understand that is this chemistry or there's a spiritual connection, that it does become a different kind of relationship and it does feel different. And, you know, since then Jarvis is connected, you know, with others in the family. My son Joshua went to visit him. My wife Karen went to visit him. She fell in love with him too. Daisy mm-hmm. writes him these beautiful letters. Uh, Jasper, Jasper and Jarvis communicate by letters, and occasionally Jarvis will be able to call him. And there's a real connection there. My son Nick was going to go see him too, but because Nick was once arrested when he was a kid, he wasn't, <laughs> given a, he wasn't allowed in. <laughs> but, you know, he does feel like, you know, I know other people have said this to you, but he feels like a part of our family, and he always will. Yeah, yeah, no, same with me. <laughs> he always asks, whenever he, he, he signs off, he always says, how's Big Mama? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what he calls my mother. <laughs> oh, so, so cool. Yeah, and he does. He cares. Oh, one time, I mean, this is probably not even important to tell, but quickly, I was sitting. My father-in-law, Karen's parents, are 100 
and 94 years old, respectively. And one time he called when I was talking to my in-laws, and uh, I was going to call him back, but then I said, um, I took his call, and I said, um, hey, because <laughs> they've heard stories about Jarvis for years, they always ask me about him, and I put him on speakerphone, and it was absolutely the greatest. My mother-in-law, who's hysterical, and she, she was saying, God, I wish you could come over for dinner tonight, <laughs> and when you get out of there, I'm going to cook you whatever you'd like. It was My mother said the same thing, so we're going to yeah. have to have a, a giant freedom smorgasbord. God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Next week, we'll hear Jarvis' side of the story and why he agreed to give David Sheff, a perfect stranger at the time, unfettered access to his private life. Audio excerpts courtesy of Simon & Schuster Audio from The Buddhist on Death Row by David Sheff. Read by Michael Boatman. Copyright 2020 by David Sheff. Used with permission of Simon & Schuster, Inc. The Buddhist on Death Row is out in paperback this week. This episode was written and produced by Donna Fazari and myself, Corny Cole. Our theme song, Sentenced, is compliments of the band Stick Figure from their album Set in Stone. Stu Sternbach composed the original music. Nate Dufort did the sound design. For more information on Jarvis and to find out how you can follow his case and support his cause, please visit freejarvis.org. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places.